Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. This is the trans internet porn making episode. We're going to talk about adult content. As you know, this is not a show for children, uh, but extra, extra, this is not a show for children. <laughs> Sometimes we talk more therapy or healing. This is going to be more of a sexuality heavy episode. Uh, so find me, lstanger.com. Our guest today is Carta Monier. Hi, Carta. Hi. Hi. Uh, you can find her if you're not familiar. So she has an allmylinks.com forward slash triple X Carta triple X. Uh, you are on Instagram, which is how I found you, Carta Monier. Uh-huh. And of course, you'll see that spelling in the notes. And then Twitter is also triple X Carta triple X. So how long have you been making erotica or pornography? Good question. I guess in like a straightforward people are supposed to get off to it sense. I started early 2020, but I was selling work that had like pictures of me completely naked and descriptions of my sex life before that, but more in like an, you know, like an art scene kind of context. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say that my real sort of pivot to traditional pornography happened early 2020. Okay. Traditional pornography. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. what does that mean? I, yeah, like, I you think know, that old time you... nuclear family pornography. <laughs> that nuclear trans family pornography. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. So you have, I ask guests this sometimes, totally welcome to not state, but whereabouts in the world are you located? Oh, I'm comfortable talking about that. I live in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay, cool. Hello to the East Coast. Um, so you host your content on all my, or I'm sorry, where do you host your content? Uh, mostly on OnlyFans, Minivids, um, and I guess I do most of my promo on Twitter. Uh, I'm currently in the middle of like a very tedious and unfortunately very expensive pivot to my own sites that oh, will you know, eventually, hopefully really pay off, but in the short term just feels like bleeding money. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, up to this point, I've been like pretty much on OnlyFans. Mm -hmm. So can I ask why the pivot? Why? I know why I did, but why are you investing in your own website? A couple of reasons. One is just that the, the sort of collective wisdom of everyone I've talked to in this industry who's been here much longer than I have is that no platform is forever and you have to prepare for any platform that you're banking on to completely shut down or shut you out. Mm-hmm. So having my own site at least gives me some insurance against that happening if OnlyFans were to actually go through with their sort of threat to kick off uh, pornographers. Mm-hmm. And the other reason is that I do a lot of stuff that is violating OnlyFans terms of service. So I can't post it on that site, like kink stuff, you know, like piss drinking or, you know, heavy bondage or any, you blood? Know, any stuff. Yeah. Blood. Okay. Um, so all that stuff, stuff that... isn't allowed on OnlyFans. Some folks don't know that, but they just learned. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Even like menstrual blood isn't allowed on like most platforms. Really? Um, Yes. So having your own platform allows you to like skirt the line a little closer because OnlyFans 
has to keep a payment processor happy, who in turn has to keep the banks happy. So their rules are more strict than the payment processor's rules so that they are never approaching the payment processor's line. So Mm. by having my own site, my content can sort of skirt closer to the line that the payment processor itself is comfortable with, if that makes sense. That makes total sense. I don't have content that is pure blood. Um, I don't have heavy bondage. I have some like consensual non-consent like themes or interactions Mm -hmm, in a couple mm -hmm. of my clips. And I, um, maybe I should give more of a heads up to some people. I feel like my audience would like know that, but maybe I'm wrong. I'm now realizing. Um, anyway, but my point is I know I invested in my website for that reason because yeah, Mm -hmm. they could totally just collapse at any time, but the payment processor reason makes a lot more sense too. So for folks that don't know, and you probably know this because you said you're investing, um, we, you and me, like we have to specifically pay for web hosting that is adult content allowed, right? Right. Like we can't have just like any old, I mean, GoDaddy is garbage I hear, but we have to specifically seek out which hosting sites or which web domains or which hosting, I don't even know the language, which hosting, whatever it is. Platforms. Platforms. Yeah. It's nebulous. I pay for help from my, from my techie friends. I'm like, please help me build a website. It's hard. Good for you. Okay. So how do you advertise? Because we're talking about censorship really also is what we're talking about. So Twitter is still like the only big social media platform that allows you to post kind of whatever. So I mostly advertise on Twitter. I also do a little bit, you know, sort of that implicit advertising on Instagram, although my stuff (laughs) is constantly getting taken down Mm -hmm. and um, a tiny bit on Reddit, but I hate Reddit so much that like I very frequently need to step away from it because it is a really God awful website. Yeah, it's stressful. Why do you hate Reddit? I know I hate Reddit. Um, So on Twitter, You know, like if someone is like a weird fetishist who's rude to you, you can kind of block them on move on. Mm -hmm. On Reddit, the entire architecture of the site is built around appeasing those weird fetishists who are rude to you because they're the ones who built the most popular spaces and subreddits. Mm -hmm. So like the most popular subreddit for trans women uh, porn stars to advertise on is r slash traps. And one of the rules for that subreddit is that you you have to be passable. You can't oh my be God. an ugly trans woman. Oh my God. And, so, and it's like, called traps. It's called and traps. And it's called traps, right. Can, so we, you're can we explain with, that to the straights real quick? What, you know, yeah, what, what's the history um, behind the term trap real quick? So the history behind the term trap is this concept that a, a beautiful trans woman will not disclose that she's trans before taking you to bed, thereby trapping you into a gay encounter sort of Mm -hmm. like tricking you into touching a dick Mm -hmm. um a scenario that really doesn't happen (laughs) right because it's typically probably not safe for the trans person who could then oh yeah no kidding okay so yikes so just the the name of that is a giveaway that it's not probably a friendly friendly place yikes freedom of speech has its downsides (laughs) It does. I I want more freedom of speech, and I also want it out of the hands of like the three sort of corporate monopolies that currently control it online. 
Mm-hmm. Um, feel free while we're in the episode. See, here's the thing. Like I host these episodes on Apple and, uh, you know, Spotify, and I'm not sure what I can put in the notes, but feel free to speak wherever you can be found. So your, you know, links or, or URLs, like say I'm here. Cause I want to try to promote the creators cause it is so hard. Oh, thank you. Yeah. My OnlyFans is OnlyFans.com slash Carta. That's C-A-R-T as in Tango A, like the Magna Carta. Mm-hmm. Um, and history. yeah, History Nerd. Um, <laughs> well, that's that's how I say it just to get people to stop saying like Carta um, mm. because it makes like me feel bad for them because that's not how I say it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. And then... So you hate Reddit for that reason. That makes sense. You have to be so-called passable, which seems like also pretty subjective. It's very subjective. And it's also like, you know, you can imagine like these subreddits really prioritize skinny, white, Mm -hmm. sort of conventionally attractive people. So it can be very hard to get a foothold. Like, you know, it, it doesn't often feel worth posting on Reddit to me. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. And you're so pretty. I'm like, wow. I mean, oh, thank you. Yeah, you seem passable. I mean, not that <laughs> even what you're going for. As soon as I said that, I'm like, that's an insult because it's like trans people don't need to be passable to be valid, and like right. we're still trying to conform to the idea of cis. But for practicality and like allowing you to exist on the site, I'm like, you seem passable, right? Yeah. Like- I mean, like by the standards of r slash traps, yes, mm-hmm. I'm passable. But like, yeah, as you said, it's not like a priority in my day to day life unless mm. I am going through a scanner at the airport. Mm. Oh, fun. Um, OK, so you said that you started doing porn like for money for work in 2020. And before then, it was like art zine stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? OK, so FOSTA SESTA, you don't remember a b- before time, probably because that passed in 2018. Right. I mean, I, I was plugged into sex work community indirectly just through knowing a lot of people who were um, a part of it. Mm-hmm. But I was not working at that time. So I mm-hmm. have only worked in a post FOSTA SESTA environment. Mm-hmm. So and that's, that's interesting. It makes sense that you were plugged in because you had so many peers. Um, so you remember, you remember hearing about impacts or do you mm-hmm. remember people wringing their hands and being like, oh, shit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, so many people in my life do one form of sex work or another. And a lot of my friends do various forms of like in-person sex work. Mm -hmm. So it was a huge deal, you know, um, Craigslist personals getting completely shut down and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these resources that kept people much safer in doing like you know, what is functionally a relatively unsafe job um, Mm. were totally destroyed by the passage of those laws. Mm -hmm. And also porn rules got stricter. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, And most of the audience here is familiar with the impacts of bad legislation, uh, FOSTA and SESTA. If you're not, do a web search. Why is FOSTA bad? <laughs> um, you'll see there's there's some impacts. And then there was like a brief movement to maybe study the impacts of FOSTA-SESTA. And that was starting in late 2019. Um, Representative Ro Khanna was sponsoring a bill 
the National Institute of Health was maybe going to investigate some of the impacts, um, which were all bad. It was bad, 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 bad. People got poorer. People were more endangered. And then the pandemic happened. So, um, but there is a movement to hashtag repeal FOSTA-SESTA. So, okay. So you have people in the industry who make content as well. Um, so you have peers. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you have any, like, who were your mentors or your, any elders that were helpful either in person or people you admire online? Um, so I'm dating a person who made porn, like, in the early mid 2000s and has a ton of experience as like a pro dom and um awesome just a lot of experience like navigating kink spaces and sex work spaces so his advice and thoughtfulness and experience was enormously helpful to me especially in terms of like here's how to present yourself here's how to you know, like engage people without giving too much of yourself away. Mm. Um, you know, here's mm-hmm. how to set good boundaries. All of these things that like are enormously helpful. And I would say also like just watching a lot of um, my trans women peers navigating pornography has mm. been just enormously helpful because you can really see like, okay, here's what people respond to. Here's what seems to get kind of repetitive. And it allowed me to kind of carve out a space that felt like authentic enough. You know, I'm very invested in being authentic. And also there's always this acknowledgement that like the porn version of me is constantly horny and ready to fuck. And the real version of me needs to take a break sometimes and not Mm -hmm. be like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But like in as much as I can be authentic while still being in this porn persona, um, I'm really invested in doing that. So seeing what other trans women are doing has been really, really useful to me. Can I say, um, as someone who's been using the internet for a long time and is still always trying to figure out how to do the same things, like market myself, see what people respond to, what's repetitive. I was really um, impressed by your Instagram profile. Uh, It just seems like you have an authenticity that your fans or followers seem to really enjoy. Um, But you are self-aware. And I just want to say my favorite, one of my favorite posts of yours was you're on your back with your legs spread over your head and it's like a great butt, like crotch shot. And I think the caption is, I deserve the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. Um, Okay. So you mentioned you have, you have a partner who made porn in the mid 2000s. Um, Is he cis or is he trans? May I ask? He's trans. He's trans. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So when he was making porn, it was, you know, as a as a woman in the mid 2000s, very different scene. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Quite a bit. See, this is why a lot of gender expansive people and trans people have so much mm, learned experience. Yes. Because, yes, you interact with the world in different presentations and perhaps the world has treated you differently based on how you're presenting. Or what do you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no question. I mean, like. I feel like for a lot of queer people, not just trans people, there's this feeling of like having experienced multiple different lives just in terms of like before you were sort of self-actualized, before you came out, immediately after you came out, once you became more comfortable and sort of settled into your personality, 
all of those are sort of different incarnations of, of a person um, mm. and people treat you differently during each of those times. And then when you add transness into it, there's like these sort of added dramatic differences in terms of like how people look at you in the world, how potential partners respond to you, how much you fucking hate yourself or mm-hmm. don't. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, like uh, having trans partners with experience doing different types of sex work has been a huge resource for me and like really, really helped me navigate things and avoid, you know, like pitfalls um, that I might've otherwise like walked straight into. Mm -hmm. This is why community is so helpful. Uh, So, okay, here's a question. Um, I've never taken an opinion on it because Mm -hmm. I'm very cis passing, but I've always felt I'm a, you heard me use the term gender expansive. That's how I feel about myself. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a non-binary person that leans feminine to optimize my sex work money. Absolutely. Um, right. And also because it is fun to dip in. Like I'll tell you, after I had my child and my boobs filled up with milk and I had breasts for the first time in my life, I was like, oh, wow, this is what it feels like. And then yeah. I got implants because I wanted to lean into that femininity. They'll come out eventually and there will be a different iteration of me. Um, Okay, so all of that, that's my identity. But the conversation comes up, and this seems to be something that's kind of split amongst queer populations. So are trans, like a trans couple, Uh you're in a, are you in a queer relationship or a straight relationship because your partner is masculine and you're feminine? Or what do you think? So this is very much my own opinion, and I don't want to be making like a blanket you know, like across the board, you have to believe this because all trans people believe this statement. Certainly. Um, But as far as I'm concerned, any like T for T, like trans for trans relationship I'm in, regardless of the presentation of the other person is going to end up being a queer relationship. Um, Just because of the way that the dynamics play out, the way that we are seen in the world by other people, Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, maybe if me and my partner were both very invested in like blending in and passing and people saw us and interpreted us as like a totally, you know, standard straight cis, cis couple, it would be different. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I definitely consider like those relationships in my life very queer. Like uh, I'm married and my husband mm-hmm. uh is trans, a trans man. And when we got married, we were both, you know, we both thought we were straight and cis. So during the time of our marriage, we both came out as trans. And, you know, I can tell you having started that relationship from a point of being like, yes, I am a straight man and I'm marrying a straight woman. Wow. There's really like not a comparison to where we are now. Like where we wow. are now is very, very, very queer. Right. And I'm wondering if it's impacted the way you have sex, because it certainly would for me. I feel like- Oh, absolutely. I have, yeah. I have the best sex now that I'm queer because I bring that to my partner's bodies instead of having like scripts in my mind. Like, no, oh, absolutely. Me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like for me, you know, there's, there is this big question about like, oh, so- trans women are women. So like a trans woman dating a man is straight. And I think it has a lot to do with how you see yourself. And like, Mm -hmm. personally, for me, 
I would consider what I was doing straight if I were dating a cis man, you know, mm, like, mm-hmm. but when there are two trans people, two or more trans people involved in a relationship, it just feels like there are so many complex, inherently queer dynamics taking place that like mm-hmm. it does it a disservice to call that relationship straight. Again, just my opinion. If you're in a T for T relationship and one of you is a trans man and the other is a trans woman and you call yourself straight, that's super hot. And I love that. But, you know, that's just my own feeling about it. Mm -hmm. Oh, that makes sense to me. And this is why it's important to remember that a lot of times there are topics that are very broad nuanced and the community could be entirely split or Mm -hmm. lots of different attitudes. So Yeah. One of the things I like about this show is I will have multiple guests on to discuss similar topics and we can see how they relate or differ Um, because we're all uh, unique, special, (laughs) special humans. Uh, So (laughs) I'm special. Um, Okay. So where are we at in time? Ooh, we're doing really good on time. Okay. So, okay. Everybody look up Carta on Twitter, triple X, Carta, triple X. And Carta Monier on Instagram. My name is Elle mm-hmm. Stanger. I'm your host. And you can see stuff that I can't post on social media on camsoda.com forward slash stripper writer. Watch out. It is porn. Do not open it on the bus or around your children. There will be boobies and vulvas all over the place um, and some dicks. All right. We're going to take a break. Hello, listeners of They Talk Sex podcast. If you heard our vaginal health and lube episode in season one, let me know what questions I did not answer in our upcoming episode with guests from Momotaro Apotheca, which deals in vaginal health and wellness. So if you have questions or stories about yeasties, BV, irritation, shaving, if it relates to vaginal health and wellness, we want to hear from you. So write to they talk sex at protonmail.com and here's to a great second season welcome back to they talk sex podcast this is the trans internet porn making episode guest carta monier uh she has allmylinks.com forward slash triple x carta triple x available Go find more links there. And you said you're on OnlyFans forward slash, what's that now? Carta. Yep. Just C-A-R-T-A. Easy. Perfect. Okay. So let's do some listener questions. Please. Mm -hmm. All right. So listener question one, you kind of mentioned this already, but the question is what what are your favorite types of content to make? Hmm. It's an interesting question because I, I have like very broad interests. Um, I, in my personal sex life, I'm very switchy. So I do mm. like making a lot of content where I talk people. Um, but I've been trying recently to lean a lot more into doing uh, content where I bottom like intensely pain bottom because that's something that I also do in my personal life and I Mm. don't see it as represented especially among trans women in porn Hmm. um 
so I really like doing content where like I don't even get hard and I'm just being fucking destroyed uh, in various ways. It's really fun for me. And it also feels unfortunately kind of subversive still, because I think the expectation of trans women in porn is still so much that they are going to use their dicks. Mm. And, you know, I have like a good dick for porn, but I also really like being in positions where, you know, I cannot use it. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's been a mix. Um, I'm definitely interested in pushing the envelope a lot more in terms of the content I'm making. And that's part of why having my own site will be very helpful. But you know, like I want to do needle play, or I want to do blood play or like more piss stuff or whatever. So uh, Mm. I have a lot of kink stuff I'm interested in, in leaning into when I'm able to. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, um, it seems like power dynamics absolutely yeah i love power dynamic stuff me too (laughs) i'm also switchy um switchy is like okay i'm sorry i'm so immature but every single time i change my bedding um my sheets are typically from target and it has a little tag that says top bottom and i'm just like no switch (laughs) (laughs) every single time i see it i'm like no i'm a switch (laughs) um okay options are nice so listener question two. Oh, before we move on, do you know what your website will be called yet? Yeah. Um, don't go to them yet, I guess, because there's nothing there. But eventually I'm going to have two websites. Mm-hmm. One of them will basically be all the stuff that's currently on my OnlyFans, and that's going to be carta.club. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is going to be more of like, I guess I'm starting a studio technically, that mm. is going to just be me initially, but you know, mm. maybe in the future expand. Like um, for customs? It, well, like for, you know, bringing other performers in, but like part of the way that I'm trying to sell it to payment processors is I'm like, it's going to be extreme pain bottoming, but I, the producer, am the one doing the bottoming. So mm. I promise I'm not exploiting myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, this is me. Right. And that website is um, painbottom.com. Nice. Okay, cool. Definitely uh, update me and I will be sure to share those. This brings me to the next question. Listener question two, where is a good place for trans women who are interested to start making porn? I think the advice that I give most people and what worked best for me is to start by making a porn-specific Twitter account Mm. and posting something on it every day, um, even if it's just a selfie, and engaging Mm -hmm. with other people who make porn, like retweeting their stuff, commenting on their stuff, boosting their engagement, and building up like a little bit of a, you know, name recognition and an audience on Twitter. Because Mm. the thing about sites like OnlyFans is they don't have any kind of internal search function. So all traffic is being directed from outside sources like Twitter. So you have to know the URL of where you're going, right? You can't search for the person. Yeah. You can search like if you know the specific URL or like someone's name, you can search, but like there's no um, like tag searching. You can't be on OnlyFans and be like, oh, show me more accounts that are trans women. There's nothing like that. Okay. It's not like yeah. TikTok where it optimizes based on what you're looking at or anything no. like that. Okay. No, that would be cool, but no. Um, mm. So yeah, I would say make a Twitter and engage with people and then 
if you want to have an OnlyFans or, you know, a clip site or something like that, just uh, front load it with like some stuff so that there is a reason for someone to sign up for it. They can Mm -hmm. see how much media is on it. So if it's one photo, zero videos, and you're asking $5.99 or whatever, people are going to, (laughs) you know, unless you're a celebrity, people are not going to be interested. Um, So you want to kind of front load it so it looks like, oh, you have a body of work already and it's Mm -hmm. quote unquote worthwhile for someone to sign up. Um, Mm -hmm. And then as long as you can sort of keep up like a consistent posting schedule, like people do keep coming back and, you know, advertising on, on Twitter is the best way that I've found, especially if you're posting like hardcore stuff. Mm -hmm. If you're just posting like sexy bikini pictures, advertise on Instagram a bunch more, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, That's great. I hope that made sense. That absolutely made sense. No, this is great. Um, See, this is why I'm like people, sex ed is important and should be free. And also advice is hard to come by. This is why folks love to listen to this show because <laughs> uh-huh. that's actually very practically helpful. So thank you. Um, and you're right about like, oh God, that's the hardest part for me is like, oh, time to post something. <laughs> yeah. Content. Yeah. It has to be a constant because even if you have fans, if they don't see you in a feed, they they will forget you exist because there's so much else in their feed. There's, right. you know, um, so I sometimes I feel silly. I'm like, you know, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. I really don't want to post a selfie of me and remind people that I'm working the same night shift. I've worked for like 11 years, but I'm going to because I know that someone will see it and be like, oh, Elle looks nice. I should come in tonight. <laughs> right. Yeah. Literally. Exactly. Literally. It's such a pain in the ass, but it, here we are. Um, I love you fans that are listening. No, I never <laughs> get tired of marketing myself ever. Um, do you remember Belladonna, pornographer Belladonna? Mm-hmm. It's this lady. Um, so I loved watching her behind the scenes stuff because she filmed a lot of really heavy, hardcore stuff. And the behind the scenes was like, you know, picking out the outfits and chatting about your day and whatever. And I remember she was doing some kind of like strap on anal scene where she was receiving and um, she wasn't like clean enough. She was still dealing with a dirty bottom or whatever they were calling it. Um And she was lamenting. She's like, I'm so tired of doing enemas. She's like, folks don't understand how many enemas I do every single year, you Mm -hmm. know, for me to have like the anal like fisting or whatever. She's like, I'm so tired. And then it like comes back and she's like, hey, everyone, I didn't really mean it. (laughs) (laughs) Like she kept the venting in, but then she came back to be like, it's okay. Like, we'll just do something else. Um, and I just felt like that was the realist because it's so much more work than some people understand. It is. It's a ton of work. I mean, like making work that looks good is difficult. You know, like there's definitely an Mm -hmm. appeal to the sort of shaky cam, like, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't plan this. Like I'm not wearing any makeup kind of work, but like, even that is more intentional than people realize. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say I only have like two clips that exist on my cam soda page like for that reason because I'm like, oh, this is spontaneous and cute. But like my hair's kind of messy and uh, mm-hmm. OK, let's just go for it. But I wouldn't shoot all my stuff that way. It wouldn't work for me. OK, so prep stuff. This brings me to listener question three. What has been your weirdest or funny funniest expense item of making porn? I think they mean like purchased item. Like have you ever bought oh. something? 
That's a good question. I I really try not to buy things. I try to have things bought for me um, (laughs) if I can. Best. But uh, I guess like the most obvious one is uh, in my non-sex work life, I run a small uh, print shop where I like print uh, independent zines and, you know, comics, mostly by trans creators. And the machine that I use to print on is called a risograph printer. It's like a, if you're not familiar, it's like sort of a cross between like a Xerox machine and a screen printing operation. It, it prints like a single color at a time through a stencil and mm. it's very efficient and very beautiful. And mm. it takes these ink tubes, uh, liquid ink tubes that at some point I realized are like the exact same dimensions as a flashlight. So I had a custom request at some point to make a video where I fucked the printer. And so <laughs> I got a flashlight. Um, I did buy this flashlight. I bought one of those like, you know, just a whole clear flashlights. Okay, good. Um, I was gonna say like a cheapy cheap, right? Not like an actual flashlight. Well, it is a flashlight branded flashlight. Was it? Um, just oh, because, gosh. yeah, I felt like it okay. would hold together. But, you know, I wrote it off my taxes. Yay, and I uh, put that into the printer and I fucked the hell out of the printer so that (laughs) that's probably the fun that's probably it yeah that's probably okay yeah I was gonna say balloons I um I purchased it for my daughter's like seventh birthday party and then I just had a ton left over um I know bringing up children when you're talking about making pornography is always a good idea. Um <laughs> but I mean, like, porn people have children. That's the thing. Thank you. Like, thank you. And I was surrounded by <laughs> multicolored balloons and I remembered like you know some people are into some really kinky shit. So what if I just make awful terrible noises with these balloons and like pop them and sit on them and Perfect. I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know lunars existed. So I have one lunars clip on Pornhub. Well, I'm sure, you know, you like just accidentally floated into a very lucrative (laughs) subgenre. I know I should have kept floating. Um, Okay, so printer and flashlight for the printer. Yep. Listener question four. Uh, I was kind of just talking about this with Belladonna's enemas and lamenting. Are there ever times that you just want to quit making content? It's I think it's less that I want to quit altogether but there are times when i feel like i cannot do the everyday thing and i Mm -hmm. want to you know like right now with the the website building it's like dominating my mind because i'm paying so much money a month right now for you know like all behind the scenes stuff so like nothing anybody can buy Mm -hmm. and um that has been like a big drain on my time and attention and mm-hmm. I haven't been posting as much as I usually do to OnlyFans. And I know that it's like an income cut, but I'm also like, ugh, like I know myself and I need to keep my focus on this because if I don't, mm-hmm. I will, you know, leave it and then another month will go by and I'll spend another like six hundred dollars on mm-hmm. a website that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, totally. Yep. That yeah. totally makes sense. It's an investment. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the daily burnout is such a thing for me too, because like I don't want to just quit because like we do what we like. We like doing this stuff. That's kind of why we yeah. started doing it, right? Yeah. 
Um, and there were people who want to pay to see it. So bless them. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's yeah. a, I really like this job. Like I've had a lot of freelance work and I really, really love this job. I'm very sexual in my real life. And like, I've always felt like, oh, I would probably be good at that. And like, once I got to a point of hating myself little enough to get into it, you know, like mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I actually am good at this. Like, um, mm-hmm. it's a good job. I, I really like it. Um, but you know, just like any job, there's going to be burnout. Like mm-hmm. there's never going to be a job that you go into and you're like, this is the coolest thing ever. And you feel that way, you know, mm-hmm. three years in exactly right. the same. Right. I mean, even a lot of social workers or people that take care of children or healthcare workers, you know, you could really care deeply about what you're doing, but the burnout could be so intense. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and what you said uh, about hating yourself like less like enough to do the work. I so identify with like being able to get over my self-loathing in a way that I could be successful and also function and like be healthy. Um, yes. I'm glad that we got to that point and I'm still shocked and like just surprised. And then I have to remind myself that a lot of us have these internalized self-esteem issues or body issues because of our culture. But like, I'm, I'm still so consistently shocked when like the most beautiful, sexy people around me are like, Oh, I hate my stomach or I hate my nose. And I'm like, That's, mm-hmm. I never would have looked what <laughs> it's just something it's a lot of us thing. grapple with. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I, I often tell people like people hate hearing their voice played back to them, uh, you know, like as a recording. Oh, all um, the time. Mm-hmm. And making porn is like that times a million. It's mm-hmm. like you have no idea what you look like when you are like on the bottom of, of 69ing someone, you know, like mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and or, then you find you know, out like, and you're like, that's yeah. not a good angle. <laughs> You just see angles of your body and like it's it's really tough because you become hyper aware of your own, you know, perceived flaws. But the thing that helps me, too, is like I look at the, you know, the most beautiful porn stars and I look at their videos and I see like, oh, they've got some angles in there that I might feel bad about. And you know what? Nobody cares. I don't Mm -hmm. care watching this. Nobody Mm -hmm. would care watching this because like part of what's hot about porn is the vulnerability of it. Mm. And like, if someone looks completely, you know, magazine, airbrush, cover, polished all the time, it's like taking it out of like a humanity zone, you know, Mm. like Mm -hmm. if I wanted that, I would look at, uh, you know, 3d renders of people instead of actual people. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. Next question. Um, I okay so sometimes I include stuff where it like almost makes me uncomfortable to ask but then I remember that this is a common question and other people are asking so feel free to pass someone says what does it mean if I like trans porn but I have no idea why I mean my gut answer to this question is it means that you have good taste Um, (laughs) trans porn is hot and like trans porn is different than a lot of other porn that you might have seen. And it makes sense to me that like you might be interested in something that's a little bit different than what you're used to. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say like, I really love it when people who aren't trans engage in a respectful and like, you know, interested way with my porn. I think it's really great. Um, My only like 
caveat to that is that I would ask you, given how bad things are in the world right now, to be consistent. And if you like trans porn, to also be nice to trans people in your real life (laughs) and fight for them in your real life. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it's my job to be objectified. Like, I am really happy if people, you know, who are nominally straight and cis and not, you know, queer in any way, I'm happy if they look at me and they're like, I've never wanted to suck a dick before, but I want to suck your dick. That's great. Mm. I love that. Mm. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I think that's really great. Um, just, you know, be consistent. If mm-hmm. you work with a trans person and they are being treated like shit at your work, you know, don't just jerk off to trans porn, like actually mm-hmm. make a material difference in trans people's lives. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to the next question. How do you stay safer from creeps digitally and physically? That's a good question. Um, this is an area where doing online sex work differs enormously from in-person. My friends who do in-person, my friends and loved ones, have a much harder job than I do because mm. Online, I am able to set boundaries as easily as just blocking someone. Mm-hmm. If someone is rude to me, they don't get to see me naked or communicate with me. Um, and that feels like a pretty straightforward rule. Like, I am doing everybody like a favor. I'm being very nice and letting you see my beautiful naked body. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be extremely mean to me, I am not going to engage with you at all. Mm -hmm. Um, In person, it's obviously harder. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've largely been insulated from those situations because I don't currently do in-person sex work. And I Mm -hmm. also haven't worked um, with studios where someone else is handling my bookings. You know, I Mm -hmm. have been in charge of all of my bookings in all of the porn that I've done. So I've never had a situation where I'm surprised by the person I'm filming with or, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's like a, oh, this person is acting really uncomfortable and I've never talked to them before. Like Mm -hmm. I'm able to, to screen a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And that obviously doesn't protect you from, from everything, but it, it certainly improves your chances of having a good experience. So Mm -hmm. I would just say like keeping pretty firm boundaries, really thinking like my, body and my artwork is a gift. I'm giving people this vulnerability. I work under my real name, you know, like I'm very Mm. open about what I do. And if people are going to be awful about that, they don't get to engage with me anymore. Mm -hmm. Sounds fair. And something I want to mention that's been uh, helpful for me and a good reminder is don't post online where you are in that moment. Yes, absolutely. That's very, very wise. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I went to Cirque du Soleil in Portland two nights ago. I brought my 10-year-old daughter and a friend. And I was like, wow, that like you don't take pictures while they're performing. It's rude. But like outside the sun was setting and like the blue and white tent. And I was like, oh, I want to post this on my story. And I was like, nope, I'm surrounded by hundreds of people. And someone could be scrolling in the bathroom or on break, which we're on and be like, oh, Elle's here. I'm going to look for it. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or like, this is my favorite bar. I'm going to the club. Nope. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. 
Good reminder. Um, okay, so let's take a break. Everybody go to Carta Monier on Instagram, triple X Carta, triple X on Twitter, and find her allmylinks.com forward slash triple X Carta, triple X. My name is L Stanger. I already told you where to find my porn. You can also go to lstanger.com. Hey Elle, where did you train to be a sex educator? I went to instituteforsexuality.com. If you do not need to be ASECT certified, you can take their shorter program. It's new. It's called SWEET, Sexual Wellness Education and Enlightenment Training. It's about half the price of their regular program and you can do it at your own pace because it's all on demand. You can take it online. You can take one learning path at a time to make it more manageable financially. Go to instituteforsexuality.com and click on On Demand Programs. You can check out their other classes too. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. This is the trans internet porn making episode. Our guest, Carta Monier. So we are going to talk about discrimination a little bit more. Uh And we're going to complain about social media a little bit more. There's a Daily Beast article. How Instagram is ruining the livelihoods of trans porn stars on thedailybeast.com. So this was published... July 5th of 2021, but this article could have been written really honestly anytime after 2018 because that's when the deplatforming really kicked off because of FOSTA and SESTA, which we talked about earlier. So this was, again, this was last year in July. It says during LGBTQ plus Pride Month, We saw Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and a zillion other tech platforms blast to the world how much they love trans people, but you didn't hear a peep from tech companies about how they are currently destroying the economic health of a large sector of the trans community. Um, So the person who wrote this, Sherry DeVille, uh, she is a trans adult worker, it says. Yeah. I think. Yes. She says, my trans colleagues are losing their accounts at faster paces uh, than perhaps the deplatforming of cis female adult performers and sex workers. And Instagram's transphobia leads trans sex workers to lose a significant revenue stream. So Facebook did not respond to requests for comment. And then there's a quote from Natasha Dreams. Is it Natasha or Natasha? Natasha Dreams. I don't know. <laughs> me too. Spelled like Natasha. So I'm going to say it that way to me. Um, It says, last year, Instagram deleted her account six times. She says, sometimes the posts were not even X-rated. I find it very frustrating that I can see people of color color getting their lives taken away on Instagram, but I can't post a pic that is fully covered. Nikki Vicious is another trans porn star. Um, She said her account was completely safe for work. So something people need to keep in mind is that if it's not bots, which can be flawed because humans design them it's Mm -hmm. humans who are reviewing the accounts and humans can tend to be transphobic Mm -hmm. or homophobic so if it's up to a moderator to kick someone off you can see how that can happen based on like a shitty culture uh have you been have you been kicked off yet anything 
I haven't completely lost my Instagram account yet. I've been warned several times, like mm-hmm. we, you know, like you're on your last legs here kind of warnings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know how close I am to actually getting it taken away. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of my stuff gets taken down a lot. Ugh. Like what? It's you know, it's like really inconsistent. Um, the most recent one that frustrated me. So you mentioned that photo where like my, uh, your legs you know, up like over a, your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a practically a butthole picture, but I have underwear on. So it's, you and know, you're fully dressed otherwise, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Or at least implicitly. So. so yeah. You um, have like a skirt on or something. Yeah. So like that one I thought was going to get deleted and it didn't, which is great because that is consistent with like what I see, you know, like cis bikini models posting on Instagram all the time. Um, the thing that got deleted most recently that I felt was really irritating was um, a fully clothed picture of me on a couch where I'm wearing a kind of sheer outfit and you can see like a little bit of bulge, like dick bulge mm. that got deleted um, but not actual genitals. It's just like a bulge, right? Like you no, can't... it's just a bulge, right? <sighs> you know, That's there's a lot of stuff where, like, also I'll post someone else's um, picture in my stories, and then my story will get taken down for adult sexual solicitation, even though it's not even my post, and I didn't comment on it in any way. Mm-hmm. You know, what? I just shared the image. Oh my god. Um. So yeah, it feels deeply inconsistent and biased um and Mm -hmm. a lot of the time it is bots doing you know the initial uh banning but then when i appeal you know and say like actually this is fine take a look more often than not they uphold their decision and say like no this is you know Mm -hmm. way too explicit and yeah that's very frustrating to me like um I think it's something that a lot of sex workers, trans or cis, deal with, but it definitely feels like trans people have fewer options because, you know, cis people can present their bodies in states of, like, very near nudity without Mm -hmm. Facebook or Meta or whatever they're called, like, Mm -hmm. getting angry at them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems incredibly frustrating. I mean, I say seems, but I know because I've been through it for different reasons. Um, And I'm, I have cis lady privilege for sure. And also when I, so I got verified on Instagram and I haven't been taken down since, but I was taken down um, temporarily a couple times. This Mm -hmm. was pre-2018, I think. Uh, I can't even remember anymore, but I was reinstated. I'm very, very, very fortunate. Um, I'm, I doesn't mean I'm protected now, but um oh gosh there was something I wanted to mention my poor brain where did it go you said something earlier no I lost it you're fine oh 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 here it okay here it comes back so something that a lot of people don't know and maybe you've run into this but have you ever had someone on Instagram or let's say Facebook or a site where you're not supposed to do this. So have you ever had anyone on Instagram like send you a dick pic? Yes. Okay. So the option is you can. Oh God. So if you were in order to report it, you have to actually like kind of see it, which is irritating. Right. It like, it, it shows itself. You have to approve it in order to hold it down to report it. 
Um, And I've had people ask me, why don't you just ask them for money? And I said, me doing that is grounds for losing my account for sexual solicitation. Yeah, yeah that's correct. Yeah. yeah. So some of I the clapbacks. I don't even try to to report them, honestly. Really? At this point. Yeah. 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 Ugh, so frustrating. Probably when it's like an onslaught of unwanted dicks, it's like you just don't even have the energy to report them. It's like, oh, go away. Yeah. They're never good, you know, like a, <laughs> and not asked for a dick pic. I don't know what it is, but like those those guys have the worst aesthetic taste of anybody in the world. Oh, my God. It's I'm always just like, wow, your room is so dirty and I could see your dirty toenails. Like, why would you send yeah. me this? <laughs> like aesthetically, it's not even pleasant. No, it's really bad. Uh, I can smell the room from here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a clean freak. Um, yeah, actually, that's one of my favorite things to do. Um if someone's being rude to me, where where I okay, so on the chat app that I use, the sexting chat app, so it's like for sex work. Um, mm-hmm. If someone is rude to me, I you know no one actually no one's really ever rude to me because they don't want to get kicked off the site, right? Which is fantastic. But sometimes I'll have someone just kind of like irritate me, and I don't have the will or the patience for for handholding and like to make a few bucks so i'm like i'm just gonna amuse myself so i'll have a guy send me like an unsolicited dick pic which is fine because that's what the app is for but then if he's like demanding in his comments like like rated or something just like really short with me i might like rate this pic i might rate everything except for the actual penis like i might be mm, like i love those that. <laughs> those towels don't really match that rack and interesting choice on the on the linoleum <laughs> that's really good and then they just don't respond (laughs) yeah no obviously i mean how do you respond to that yeah like oh okay i need to remodel um okay so to pivot slightly um now i'm looking at a mashable.com article written by mark hay september 9th of 2021 what can or should we learn from porn the subtitle is Taking cues from porn is often a good way to have a bad time, but a small cohort of pornographers believe porn has the potential to be educational for adult viewers. Um, so Larkin Love is one performer mentioned in here. She says, I once received cunnilingus from someone in my personal life who had dot, 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 studied techniques in girl-on-girl porn. He oh spread my legs. Ah! <laughs> He spread my legs open as wide as possible, applied the side of his face to the inside of my left thigh, and landed, lapped my pussy with the tip of his tongue out of the right corner of his mouth as if opening the shot up to an invisible camera. Uh, Once I figured out what he was trying to do and why he'd come to the conclusion that pussy is eaten sideways, I couldn't help but laugh. Um, Okay, so someone else in here uh, quoted is Eric Garrison. He says, sometimes we have to retrofit movies for our purposes. Um, He says, okay, Garrison and other sexology experts note that many people use porn as a source of sexual inspiration, often creating lists of new positions, settings, or role play scenarios to try out in the very human eternal quest for sexual novelty. Um, And that's fine, says performer Veronica Oh, God. Kiri? Kiri. Let's go with that. K-I-R-E-I. I'm sorry, Veronica. As long as people don't get caught up on the exact details of a scene, instead using it as a springboard to explore what feels good and comfortable for their bodies or relationship dynamics. She says, just be present and have fun. 
Um, so one thing up at the top. Okay. So what you and I were talking about earlier about the prep time mm-hmm. or the editing, uh, some examples that's mentioned in here, it says most professionally produced porn, even amateur or reality content favors acrobatic positions and exaggerated angles that can be exhausting or uncomfortable to shoot but that highlights all the scintillating details that viewers get off on. This sex is often framed by famously unrealistic and at times problematic scenarios and dialogue built to play to or riff on a predominantly straight male audience escapist whims and desires and the prevailing cultural forces that feed or inform them. Uh, It says content creators often sideline or omit all of the prep work and negotiation, which can be the meticulous direction, warm-up stretching, and vast amounts of lube and communication. Thoughts? I, uh, this article is fine, but it also feels like it's written, like, it's writing about sex from this, like, hyper-abstract point of view that feels like, I don't know, like, maybe I'm overestimating the general public, but it feels like if you've had sex before, you should know these things. Like, (laughs) yes, like I recently shot a porn scene where I was like, um, being fucked, like completely upside down in my ass. And like, would I do that in my personal life? Like, maybe if the other person was really into it, but it's not like a position that I would choose (laughs) myself because, you know, it wasn't super comfortable. But like, I cannot imagine the hypothetical person who looks at that and is like, this is an endorsement of that position and that's how you should have sex. Like any adult watching porn who has had sex before, I I would hope would, would understand that, you know, like in the same way that like, <laughs> if you watch any movie, you know, you're not going to be like, oh, the coolest way for me to exit a room is by backflipping through the door because that's what they did in this movie, you know? like, Yeah. (laughs) So, but here's the rub is that there's a lot of people that haven't had sex and watch this stuff first, so they don't know. (laughs) That's true. I mean... Yeah, we we are more informed. We're just, you know, we are. Um, And I wish that people would kind of figure that stuff out, but I think maybe the anxiety clouds their mind. And if they haven't had any sex ed, then they just don't know. So if you just don't know, I guess you just copy what you see. As an autist, I've definitely done that before. I'm like, I don't know what to say here. So I'm going to say that thing I heard someone else say sometime in a similar situation. I hope it works. Sure. (laughs) Um, I guess like in terms of, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm thinking of uh, a young friend of mine who, when he hears this, he's going to chuckle. But uh, he sent me a picture once of two. It was a gay porn pic, and they're doing it in the shower, and one of them's holding up the other one. And I was just like, wow, that would be really uncomfortable and dangerous. And he was like, oh, my God, I hadn't even thought about that. But he hadn't. He wasn't really <laughs> having much sex yet. Yeah. And I'd right. been doing it for years. So I was like, oh, you haven't shower fucked. Yeah, dangerous. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You're going to slip. If you're holding yeah. someone up in the shower. I know. Never, never, never. I would I would never. I don't trust anyone enough because you can't fight physics. Um, so, yeah, we forget how much we know. Uh, so we come to the end of our episode. I think some folks learned a lot. And I ask every guest this besides everything we already talked about, Carta. Do you have any last sex tips for our audience? 
Oh, that's a good question. I would say uh, this is such like a sex tip type sex tip, but <laughs> it's always applicable. Be direct with your partner about what you want and what you don't want. And that can feel really difficult, but it is going to make your sex life so much better. Like mm. when I am going to have sex with a trans person who I haven't had sex with before, one of the first questions I ask is, are there any parts of your body that you don't want me to touch? Mm. And then I'll ask, what do you want me to call your genitals? Like, do you have a, you know, if I'm mm-hmm. with a trans woman, I'm like, uh, you know, do you want me to call it a dick or a girl dick or a clit mm-hmm. or something else or not refer to it? Mm-hmm. You know, like girl cock. Just be direct. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like so many options. Yeah. Don't when you when you just guess with any kind of sex, not just with trans people, but when you just guess, you're like opening the door for a lot of misunderstanding. And mm-hmm. it will be better on so many levels if you just like be direct about what you want and asking what your partner wants. Mm. Well, Carta Monir, you were a lovely guest. I wish you great success in all of your future endeavors. And you're welcome. And we'll see you hopefully for a bit longer at Carta Monir on Instagram, on Twitter at triple X Carta triple X, and then look for your websites coming up, which you said painbottom.com is going to be one of them. And then what's the other one? Carta.club. Cool. Okay. So there's nothing there yet, folks, as this episode is released, but maybe check in a few months. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. All right, folks, and you can find me at StripperWriter on Instagram. On Twitter, I am at LStanger. Until next time. Lots of us know to grab a towel when we're on our period for period sex, but what if you could just get the layer? Try getthelayer.com because it's not just a sex blanket. It's great for not ruining sheets bedding, furniture, whether you're on your period, whether you're a squirter, whether you're just trying to be polite, it's black, it's discreet, you can get 10% off when you get thelayer.com and use the code L E L L E all caps my name. Try it out. Let me know how you like it. It is my travel companion. Get the layer.com. 